one exit If you blink you've gone too far We all get our news From the gal behind the bar It takes a village To raise this community And even if you don't go to church You say grace Or give your thanks before you eat This is us A small town in America And put simply We like things how they used to be We got one stop the bar closes at nine and we got an Exxon, you can't miss it, it's up there on the right. And this is home, we take care of our own. If you can't relate, get back on the interstate and go. Well, welcome everyone, you made it to another episode of Climax the Podcast. Love letter to a small town, and for this week's intro, I'm not alone. You're used to me, 1998, proud graduate of Climax Scotts Junior Senior High School. My name's Kevin Harvey, but I'm joined for the intro and a little special aftershock to the main event by... Jackie Longman. And you're a proud... Grad of 1999 at Climax Scotts. Wow. I almost said 97 because I was like one year off, <laughs> but in the wrong direction. Because you I was older than you? <laughs> <laughs> what a fool. Oh I just God. had 97 on the brain. I don't really know why. I don't know. Could be for any reason, really. <laughs> but we're going to do a little bit of a, a tag team effort here on the intros before we get to the main event. And then uh, Jackie's going to join me for a little fun story after <laughs> this week's main event. That would have been really awkward to monologue, I feel. <laughs> and Jackie's like a guaranteed future podcast guest because we've got about 7,000 topics that we yes. could go on for Many stories, many hours. memories, yes. And pixie Indeed. sticks. And about, t- and about <laughs> pixie a million sticks. pixie sticks. <laughs> But as, some today. as anyone knows who's listened to Climax the Podcast, we tend to do the business up front, so we're going to do that now. We want to thank those who keep the lights on, as I like to say every week here on Climax the Podcast. This show is free to listen to, but it's not a free show to produce, so these are some of the folks that help us do what we do. And first up, Jackie, our OG sponsor, I know it's somebody you know, Kristen Wachowski with State Farm. Yes, that's correct. Kristen, thank you so much for your sponsorship. Uh, you're the best. I don't know what we would do without you. <laughs> in general, even outside in of general. sponsoring this podcast. Yes, everything you do in the community, yeah. And uh, everything you do as an insurance agent. I have my insurance through um, State Farm with Kristen and them, actually. So, And they've been there for me many times, many uh, roadside assistance with my lemon of a vehicle. So I, Ooh. more than most people, can tell you that their their insurance is top-notch. So. And I, I'm glad you said that because every week I kind of give like my story and now people are probably sick of it. But insurance is one of those things that's really easy to get overcomplicated or they yeah. start throwing yeah. big words to sound fancy or yeah. just expensive. And with Kristen, it's just like a call or a text message, which basically translates to like, bruh. Yeah. My car is not good. <laughs> I'm on the side of 94 and my car is on fire. <laughs> well, even in the brief time she's been my agent, like day one, a thing flew off, up, up off the highway and destroyed my windshield <laughs> on day oh, one. I was just well. like, I hope this doesn't make Kristen look bad that a new client on day one had this happen. This is suspicious. <laughs> but hopefully Jackie's story just kind of slam dunks the ball that Kristen's a great agent. Her team's great to work with. Her office is in Battle Creek, Michigan, just off the intersection of 20th Street and Columbia, right across from Ollie's and across from Chicago Title. And you she's can... easy on the eyes, too. So <laughs> I think I can say that, right? Yes. <laughs> now, if you want to stop by the office, you certainly can. You can give her team a call at 269-968-5130. And, of course, you can always go to her website, callkristen.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N 
callkristen.com. So if you have any needs in the realm of auto insurance, motorcycle insurance, homeowners insurance, condo insurance, renters insurance, business, life, and even more, callkristen.com. Make insurance fun and easy. Take care of you. Take care of your family. Callkristen.com. And Climax the Podcast is brought to you in part by Eldred Homestead Bed and Breakfast. And Jackie, you know the owners of that place pretty darn well. I do. (laughs) I didn't know they were a sponsor. That's amazing. Chris, Randy, you guys are the best. I still need to see the full inside in person, but the pictures are amazing. And my daughter and I love driving by there and checking out the house. It just... It's got a lot of history, and, and I know that Chris is really passionate about keeping that house and the history intact. So, I, Especially that point, but I feel like you can just say Chris is really passionate yeah, in like is. everything she's she ever touched is. or and done. And she gives the best hugs, and she's just the most warm, wonderful person. So, And I've only seen a portion of the inside of the house, and I think she's almost got her gift shop ready. It might be ready. I've got to, I actually need to call Chris and catch up on that. Well, yeah, check that out. But Eldred Homestead Bed and Breakfast, I say it every week. If you are maybe going to explore Climax for the first time, or maybe you're somebody who has lived in the community and you're coming back to a visit, sure, you can stay at some random hotel off of I-94 or Beckley Road or something like that. But why not stay someplace in town that has a lot of history, a lot of character? And I guarantee you that Chris and Rand are going to give you a much more memorable experience than any cookie-cutter hotel kind of a place. Absolutely. They're located at 6378 South 44th Street. That's in Climax, just a little bit south of Climax Scott's Junior Senior High School. For more information or to book your stay, you can go to their listing on Airbnb.com or you can give them a call, 269-808-8183 or email eldredhomestead at gmail.com. And last and by certainly no means least, this show is not possible without the support and access to the archives from our friends at Prairie Historical Society. Now, Jackie, fairly recently, you just took one of your first trips up to PHS. Yeah, I had a great time looking through old yearbooks and (laughs) finding some funny pictures of my dad and some old teachers (laughs) up there. So, And just family history. My family has a, a whole folder up there, and that was great to look through and yeah, a lot of history, a lot of cool things to sort through. I could spend hours up there, honestly. Yeah, we were enjoying the evolution of Dale Smith's sideburns, I feel like, specifically <laughs> yes. that one day we were up there. And some great pictures of Mr. Munson that were my personal favorite, too. Oh, so. that's right. Yeah, like, rookie year Munson. <laughs> yes, yes, classic. And that's just a small sample of things you can see in the history room. You can actually experience these things in person. On Tuesday mornings, PHS is open from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., and then Thursday evenings from 6 to 8 p.m., but not this particular week, and I'll get into the reasons why probably a little bit later in this podcast, but most weeks, Thursday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Now, PHS is a nonprofit organization. They are kept alive by support of folks just like you in the community of Climax Scotts. Membership is $15 per year, and that gets you access to their six bi-monthly newsletters that go into deep dives into different topics throughout the town's history. You can mail those supporting payments to 107 North Main Street, P.O. Box 82, Climax, Michigan, 49034. You can also go to their Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Climax PHS. And there's probably going to be some uh, facets of Climax, the podcast, and on ClimaxGotsDigitalNetwork.com to support PHS. More on that to come in the coming weeks. And just like that, the business is done. See, done? she's done? such a natural. <laughs> she, she nailed it. It's like she's listened to this show before. <laughs> it's like I've heard it a few times. Now, 
rather than do a lot of banter right now, we're going to do that after this week's main event because there is a fairly ridiculous story of my recent involvement in the casting for a reality show. You can't see it, but I'm doing those air quotation fingers <laughs> because I won't call it a scam, but I will call it a scheme. Well, that's what I was just going to say. I was just looking up on Facebook at your post that first caught my eye where you were venting about being in the running for a reality show and you were getting context clues uh, that it was going to be pretty likely that you would get an offer. Um, and you just had one glaring concern. And that concern was that the show was going to bore you to tears. <laughs> so, of yeah. course, everybody needs to know. We want to know what the show is, what happened, what was the process. Like, how did this, how did this start? How did this come about? Yep. More on that after this week's main event, but let's get into this week's main event. What we're going to talk about on all the different facets of Climax Scott's digital network on the website, YouTube channel, social media. Big week for the music program this week. We've got our winter concert coming up this Thursday evening. That's going to be a whole bunch of different bands. You've got your sixth grade band, your junior high band, your high school band, the jazz band, the choir, and choir, I feel like right? I'm even yeah. missing yeah. one or two things in there. It's a lot of different groups this year. A lot of good music, and one of the people at the forefront of all that is our current music teacher, Ms. Carla Evans. And I've loved seeing how much impact Carla has had on the school. I think almost everyone that listens to this knows I was a proud band kid, <laughs> and the music program helped me so much in not just my school years, but in life. Some fundamental things I learned through being part of the music program, and I see so much amazing stuff in what I've been able to uh, observe of Carla being in the school as much as I have been the last few months. Now, rather than me continuing to rant and rave about how awesome Carla is, I'm going to let her tell you some of the awesome things about her straight from her own lips, from her own history. So without further ado, let's segue into the main event of episode 23, Hitting the High Notes with Carla Evans. I feel like I say this on almost every episode, but welcome to a very special episode of Climax the Podcast. Right now I'm in very familiar yet new surroundings of the Climax Scots band room, and I am with the Climax Scots High School music teacher, Ms. Carla Evans. Carla, welcome to Climax the Podcast, which looks suspiciously like the classroom you're in every day. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> and we, we've got to address the nerves. This is a big moment for you, right? Yes, this is a big moment. My well, first podcast. <laughs> Wow. It's almost everyone in Climax First podcast, I think. <laughs> Not exactly a plethora of plot, uh, podcasts in town. I think I've got the audience cornered. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you see the amount of notes I brought in. The idea of this is just to get to know Carla a little bit more. Does some of the parents probably know her as, yep, I see her direct my kid when I go to the concerts. But you have a whole story before you even got to Climax, Scott. So what did your path from young Ms. Evans' life to... <laughs> chief band guru of Climax Scots look like? Well, I ended up going into music education and I went to Central Michigan University. I studied clarinet and had a really good time there. I got to join the choir when I was there and I was involved with their musical pits and their opera pits playing, in, playing my clarinet along with the people on stage. Um, and I had a really good time there. And when I got my first job, it was actually in Illinois. I worked there for two years in a school that was 
quite a bit bigger. I was one of five band directors. Oh, for wow. the Yeah, for the fifth through 12th grade program. Um, I mainly taught fifth and sixth grade, and then I just assisted with the older kids. Um, but it was really nice. I also got to be the color guard instructor there. So that was really Ooh. fun. <laughs> yeah. What school was that in Illinois? I don't know that I knew that about you till just now. <laughs> that was Kankakee, Illinois. Okay. I, so I lived for 21 years in the far western suburbs. So that was about a half hour south yeah. of where I lived. And yeah, massive massive mm-hmm. schools illinois schools in general and michigan schools they don't compare very well now granted my michigan schooling is limited to kind of like climax and western yeah <laughs> and even those two are a bit bit different and i forgot we we theoretically are rivals too because oh. i was a western band guy well sorry about that yeah. well you probably <laughs> won i have absolutely no memory of the sports okay. scores yeah. i can tell you like what the halftime show was of the second half of my freshman year or something yeah. but uh, were you in the marching band at cmu yeah all all five years that i was there um at central michigan i was in the marching band in the clarinet section for three years and then the color guard section for two years and i did end up making a lot of friends from western's band because i was in the band fraternity kappa kappa psi okay um so not like your basic fraternity. It was really more of a service organization. We filled the water bottles. We brought lunches and apples for the band and set up the chairs in the band room. But um, So that one's different from like your Phi Mu Alpha and then... It's very... They're very uh, similar. And I forget. Yeah. What was the... Phi Mu Alpha was the fraternity. What was the sorority? I Sigma Alpha Iota. That's right. Yeah. And I had friends in that one too. Yeah. So... Um, Kappa Kappa Psi then would get together sometimes with the other schools, like Western's band students and Michigan State's band students, and that was always fun. Yeah, and the to me, the, some of the best memories that I have from college were like those marching band trips, mm-hmm. and not for the necessarily debaucherous college reasons people <laughs> might assume, uh, but just the, the memories and the friendships you make through band. I mean, gosh, how many people do you have from now at this point, probably half your life ago, yeah. that are still in it to some degree because of the bond of music. Exactly, exactly. And then all of those things ultimately led you here to good old Climax Scots. Yeah. And having knowing now that you were at Kankakee, mm-hmm. and then you walk in the doors at Climax, and knowing how vastly different those yeah. experiences may be, what were some of your first thoughts when you were kind of walking in and seeing the difference between a school the scale Climax Scots and where you'd just been? Yeah, well, even growing up, my school was quite a bit bigger than Climax, so I'd really never been in a situation with a, a program this small. But my goal with teaching really was to be able to work with, with band students of all age, music students of all age, 6th uh, through 12th grade, really because I, I originally started out and wanted to be a middle school teacher because I love the process of like learning an instrument for the first time and um, the progress that they make from sixth grade when you teach a kid how to open a case and make a sound for the first time versus when they finally graduate eighth grade and it's like look how far they've come it's so exciting but then you don't necessarily get to do as much of the like deep musical stuff with with sixth and seventh graders than you can with high schoolers so I when I was looking for jobs at Michigan because I really wanted to come back to Michigan I was looking for a place where I could do both middle school and high school. Um, and so when I saw this position, I was really excited about it um, to come get to work with these kids. But it's been really fun. It's it's definitely different because there's nowhere for these kids to hide. You know, in, in we might only have one flute player in the whole band. And if she doesn't know her part, she can't just kind of blend with the other flute players there are no other flute yeah. players which, which flute hit that clunker let <laughs> exactly. me exactly <let> <laughs> so even like in my high school band i remember you know 
there were so many of us, there would be maybe 30 clarinet players in the whole program. And so it was like, if you didn't know your part, well, maybe the person next to you did, but there's, you know, when there's only a handful of people, there's nowhere to hide. So it actually kind of boosts the musicianship quite a bit of the kids. They really have to know their stuff. Well, and I'm going to assume that you still have to do something that I think is the nature of the small school of when it comes competition time. All right, we're playing a piece that has an oboe part. Not exactly a ton of oboes yes. uh, in, a, in a program this size. Yeah. And so do you still have to do things like, okay, uh, trombone player, stick a towel down your bell oh, and no. play with half air, and now you're going to pretend you're a bassoon for these? Yeah, that, that actually same exact thing happened. I think it was, it was last year or two years ago, I programmed two pieces for the spring concert for the junior high band that both had, like, flute solos or oboe solos it was something that we didn't have at all in the band and I had to tell like you know the first chair alto player all right you're getting this solo and just write it out for them and then we just made it work <laughs> yep that that's always a lot of the fun well we, we don't have an electric harp here uh, yeah, in yeah. Climax Scots I remember one year there was a piece we played in the 90s that had a part for pad bass but it was like p-a-d it was obviously okay. apparently an acronym to this day I had no idea what the heck it was. The director at the time had no idea what the yeah. heck it was. But by God, we played it on a tuba. Yep. Like, it's in bass clef and it's low notes. Here you go, tuba guy. <laughs> Knock yourself out. Right now, um, at the concert that's next week, um, we have a specific part in one of our songs where you're supposed to have three flute players. And so we've got two other kids in the band, a trumpet player and a saxophone player, who are just whipping out flutes, playing that two measures, and then putting the flute down and playing the rest of their part. <laughs> but to me, that's one of the best parts of a music program like Climax yeah. Scott's. You may have a, a trumpet player who's almost doing like a Batman utility belt of yeah, instruments. Of instruments. And, <laughs> or somebody who takes a couple steps back from the low brass section into the percussion section because you need... <laughs> Darn it, you just need two more hands for these 12 <laughs> bars of music, yeah. whatever it might be. What do you think is the most unapolog unapologetically small band thing that you've seen in your time at Climax in terms Ooh. of just, you know what, we did it, we made it work? We've done a lot of percussion pulling where it's like we don't have enough percussionists. Like you were just saying on the concert, we're bringing up three eighth graders to play um, with one of the high school band pieces because we need five percussionists and we only have two in high school band. Um, and we've done that before. I actually, a couple years ago, had a sixth grader play with the high school band because it was, you know, a pretty easy part and we just needed someone who could count and do the whole thing. And the rest of the high schoolers were taken. So we just grabbed a sixth grader and said, hey, can you do this? And he did. He was very willing to help. And the impact that that has to a young person, that's a tremendous I don't know if ego boost is quite right because I don't want to say we're <laughs> catering to people's egos necessarily, but to know that you're giving those opportunities, because I was a seventh grader and an eighth grader once upon a time who, well, high school doesn't have enough tubas, so we're going to pull up the Harvey boy, but that makes you feel like a rock star almost at yeah. that age because you're like, this is the, the big band. This is the thing that I want to do. And not only that, but when you get to people, when you see that somebody like a recent grad, Cadence Kirkham. Mm -hmm. Look at all the great things she's doing at Western Scholarships. And the girl plays, what, about 75 instruments now yeah. at this point? <laughs> she helped out in, her and another student helped out in sixth grade band last year and pretty much came in every day and said, hey, what do you need me to play today? And just grabbed a different instrument every day. And so they learned a lot of different instruments. And that's, that's pretty cool. And why not go back, you were mentioning working with the, the true beginners. Mm -hmm. And how does that feel for you? Because it, uh, I don't know if every listener of this podcast is going to know or remember what those early band days look like, but sometimes, you know, an 11, 12-year-old just wants to 
pick up their instrument and start recording some tracks and be, <laughs> be a rock star. But you have to go from that, okay, you have to wet your reed first yeah, exactly. for a while yeah. before you can play or trying desperately to one day buzz the mouthpiece before you even put it in the horn. Mm -hmm. So how does that feel for you, just average sixth grade band day, when you see somebody, it's that struggle, 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 and then bam, breakthrough. Yeah, that's really fun. It's There are moments where it's like a trumpet player who couldn't hit you know, a G and all of a sudden one day it just comes out so beautifully and even like the kids around them who have been listening to them struggle because, you know, everybody can hear. It's, you know, yeah. if you're trying to hit a high note and you can't get it out, everyone can hear. And then one day when they get it and, you know, the friends congratulating them and being so excited for them, it's always very rewarding and um, such a fun moment for the kids. Yeah, it can always be awkward because, like, the whole band knows it's coming. It's measure 73. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to hit that part, and Evans isn't going to be able to hit. The, but those breakthroughs, like, those, I, I miss those a lot. Those are just very fun memories because, like we talked about earlier, band just kind of bonds you forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, gosh, you were nice enough to do alumni band for homecoming. I walk in the room, <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is almost too familiar. What's going on here? Now, you'd mentioned Christmas concert, and that's mm -hmm. a large part of the reason that I wanted to drop this episode this week when we are, because it's one of your, is it two concerts, or are you up to three now? Uh, per year? Yeah. We, we do three per year, but not everyone plays on it. We have the winter concert that's here in December, and then because we go to band festival in March, we do a post-festival concert. So after we go to festival, we learn from what the judges taught us and then try and make our music a little bit better and put on a, a very short concert. Last year, I think it was 30 minutes exactly. And then uh, we do a big spring concert, uh, one for the band classes and then a, a spring concert for the jazz band and choir classes. That's right, and that's something I'll dive into after the concert plug we're going to shoot oh, in yeah. here. <laughs> uh, but so this Thursday, so we're w winter concert, mm -hmm. and you've got a whole variety of ensembles coming up this week. We've got the sixth grade band, the junior high band, which is seventh and eighth graders, the high school band, which is ninth through twelfth grade, and then the jazz band and the choir. That's a lot. It is a lot. It's nice that they all get to be on the same concert because then, you know, the kids who have never heard the choir perform get to hear the choir and the, you know, sixth graders get to hear the jazz band absolutely wailing um, and that gives them something to strive for. Um, but it does mean that not all of the ensembles get to play very much. Most of them are only doing two songs, so. When I noticed just through some pictures and things I've seen from like the, the PR work that Heather does for the school, mm -hmm that some of the athletes who I had no idea were in band, I'm saying, hey, there's Miles in jazz yeah. band. And I, I, are you able to get a little bit more variety of students involved in the music program that way? Have you seen that a bit? Yeah, especially with the choir. Um, kids who maybe didn't commit to band in sixth grade or you know weren't able to join band in sixth grade but are still interested in music um, are able to, to join when they're in eighth through twelfth grade. And that's really nice. And really nice to meet new kids and have kids who are interested in music who I didn't even know get to join us. And just to know the variety of music programs there are now mm -hmm. at Climax Scots, I love seeing that. When I went to school, I was in kind of this phantom zone where choir ceased to exist. Yeah. We'd had it for a number of years, and then for whatever reason, it fell off. Mm -hmm. And then I think probably 15 or 20 years went by before it came back again. But knowing there's not just band and choir. Now, what does, say, jazz band look like? Is that a class, or is that more of like an after-school club? Yeah, that's a class here at Climax Scotch, which is really cool because a lot of schools can only get it either as an after-school club or as a zero-hour class 
which is not fun. I did do that too. <laughs> Zero hour meaning before school? Yes, before school. Usually Oof. starting at about, you know, 6.45 a.m. going until school starts. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, that's the kind of thing you like to reserve for like state festivals yeah. this week kind of stuff. <laughs> and you don't even like doing it. <laughs> Those are not the anybody's favorite memories no. of band yeah. class or band. <laughs> so what's on deck for this Thursday? For this Thursday uh, at the concert, yep. we've got some uh, medleys going on. So the, the the junior high band is playing Jingle Bell Rock. The sixth graders are playing a song called Christmas Joys, which um, has in it, uh, I think, Jolly Old St. Nick and like a couple others that they're kind of weaving between. Um, and then we've also got some kind of surprising pieces. We're doing a song that I picked out for the junior high band for the fall to work on because it's kind of a Halloween-ish song. It's got like the In the Hall of the Mountain King melody and it's got some like creepy like da 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 going on in it. It's really fun. It's really cheesy. Um, and so we, we decided to play it for the concert even though it's kind of a Halloween song and that's long past. But um, And then the high school band is also doing some surprising ones. They have a, a, a song that's based on a train heist during the Civil War. It's called The Great Locomotive Chase. It's famous among high school band literature. Um, I actually had a kid ask me if we could do it, and it's got in it, like, train sounds. That's how we're getting the flute players. They're playing a, a chord, and yeah. And it <laughs> sounds it. like a train whistle. We've got a train whistle, too. Um, and that's the one that needs five percussionists, so we brought up the eighth graders. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a good time. <laughs> that sounds like a good time. Like, I want to listen to that song right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bop. I'll have to see if I can get some uh, b limited rights to it to put it on this podcast. Or something. <laughs> we'll find a way. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to, I don't know if so much ask the question, but just praise you for is having been around the school system for about three months now. You don't always see, and I don't mean to throw this at a rock at any particular person that's been here between my years in school and you, but you just see a care that you have with the kids. And to me, that's a very Climax Scott's quality is you're going to get one-on-one -on -one with students, whether you want it or not, as an educator. But when I see how many kids just come to see you, just to say hi or unburden themselves on you, I think is how <laughs> I word it to Ms. Wright, because I see that with her all the time. But just kudos to you for truly being there for these kids, for things well beyond just, my instrument sounds funny yeah. <laughs> kind of stuff. Um, but to you, how important is that connection with the students to you beyond just the, I'm playing a clarinet, I'm playing a trumpet, because I, I see that as a kind of a rock star thing. Well, <laughs> thank you. That's, that's kind of everything is the, you know, you always hear like band is a family. And I really felt that when I was growing up, that was one of the reasons I wanted to go into music was because the band room was my home. And it was, um, it was always you know, going to hang out with my friends and make music together. And if basically if the band was doing something, I wanted to do it. And I, I loved the relationship that I had with my band director, getting to say hi to him every day. And I always enjoyed coming to his class. Um, and so I definitely want my classes to be the same for kids. Well, I, I think you're doing a bang up job with that. Because <laughs> even just walking in today during your theoretical planning hour, there was <laughs> at least two, maybe three kids <laughs> that were just in here doing their thing, but that's that space is very important for those kids. So thank you for continuing to provide that for many Climax kids. Thank you. And then what some people listening to the podcast, unless you were a bandy, may not know, there's different competitions throughout the year. And so what time, is that usually spring as well? Is there still like, 
is it MSBOA or is the acronym changed? There is an MSBOA, but we do MMEA, Michigan Music Education Association. Okay, gotcha. So same idea, yeah, different very governing body. Organizations. Yep. Okay, so when's that coming up for you? That is in March. We actually just got registered for it. Uh, we go to Fowlerville High School and uh, we'll be able to play for some clinicians who are sitting way up in the balcony, can't even see their faces, just a, a light, and you can hear them whispering into their little microphones, and they'll listen to us play. And then the great thing about MMEA Band Festival is uh, they just come down and work with the kids for 20 or 30 minutes. Oh, so, that's great. Yeah, so um, instead of just sending us home with a piece of paper with notes on it, they come down and they say, hey, um, I heard this in your March style. I really liked this and this. Let's work on this thing now. And then they spend time working with the kids um, to help improve, which is why we do a post-festival concert is because this MMEA band festival gives feedback so instantly, and then we're able to sort of apply what the judges thought we could improve upon, and then we use that to make our music better for our concert. That's really cool and very impactful because of in my day, it would be <laughs> you'd get back to class on Monday or Tuesday, whatever day it was, and your director would try to decipher the handwriting yeah. <laughs> of judges, and you would get the one judge who was the tape judge, yeah. and you would hear very faintly in the background the whatever your two or three pieces were, and then you just hear somebody who's, yeah, on tubas uh, in measure 38. <laughs> and by the time he's finished his thought, measure 38 was 38 measures yeah, ago. Exactly. So <laughs> only so much improvement there was, but that's great. So one of the key things with band is it is not an inexpensive class or an inexpensive hobby <laughs> for anybody. So what are the different ways that people can actually support the music program these days? Yeah, we actually have a very... Um, very strong boosters program. They've been so supportive of everything that we want to um, either purchase or be able to do in order to support our students. We've, through the boosters program, gotten new instruments and um, they've been able to pay for new music or registration fees for different things that the band wants to go to. And I know the boosters always need more volunteers. Uh, we've had sort of a core group of parents who have been volunteering for a very long time. Most of their kids have long graduated. <laughs> and um, so the boosters meet, I believe it's every third, third, every third Tuesday of the month. Um, if anyone's interested in coming out and uh, volunteering for anything, we always need more help. Yep. And those meetings are always just here in the band room, right? Yep, here in the band room. Um, sometimes in the summer we uh, meet in someone someone's house for a picnic, but we'll try and <laughs> share that information so that anyone who's interested in coming knows where it is that we're meeting. Well, and Music Boosters helps so many more things than just the band program, too. I mean, yeah. gosh, we had an article on the website not long ago with information that uh, Sue Reichert had shared of the well, I think we shared about eight of the 7,000 ways that the Music Boosters program has helped out many programs in the school, even yeah. beyond that. So shout out to you hardworking Music Boosters out there. We see you. We appreciate you. Now, thinking about all things in, what do you think have been the best part so far teaching in a community like Climax Scots for you? I think one of the things I like the most is that because it's so small, uh, we get to share kids. And I love that the, the other teachers and the coaches are so willing to help facilitate that. So I know there's lots of schools where if you wanted to be in the band program, you were a band kid and you couldn't necessarily do sports that were at the same time as marching band or you know different after school activities. Um, if you were a sports kid, then the coach would not let you go to you know band practice or to a band competition or something. And um, I found that 
you know, because there's only so many kids to go around, the coaches have always been so flexible. We communicate, you know, they have a, a big thing on this day and we've got a band competition. So let's schedule them at different times so that we can, you know, get the kids from one place to another and make sure that everyone can do everything, which really just makes for a more well-rounded kid. And that's what it's all about. I always love going to the halftime shows and seeing, you know, a bleaker or two uh, <laughs> in the football uniform, still sweaty from the game. But we're we're belting out the Phil Collins song. Yeah, exactly. This week. Exactly. That's good stuff. Well, Carla, thank you so much for joining us here on Climax, the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. We hope you have a wonderful concert this Thursday, and we hope a lot of the listeners out there find a way to get to Climax Scott's Junior Senior High School Cafeteria or Cafetorium. Which one is it these yep. days? Cafetorium. Yeah. Yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> uh, so anyhow, thank you once again for being the main event on a stellar episode of Climax, the podcast. Thank you. Wasn't that a fun little interview with Carla? Jack, you learned a fair amount about Carla just then, didn't you? Absolutely. And I just have to say that I love her and appreciate everything she's doing at the school to build this band back up. And I look forward to seeing the show. <laughs> so once again, we would love to see as many people from the community visit Climax Scott's Junior Senior High School. It's this Thursday, the 14th, 7 p.m., Cafetorium at Climax Scott's Junior Senior High School. It's the Climax Scott's Junior Senior High School Winter Concert. Now, before the main event, we teased it a little bit. Uh, I have kind of a ridiculous story, not too ridiculous, and I wanted I to share it. I, be I believe it's going to be ridiculous if I know anything about your stories. <laughs> well, it, it's the kind of thing that I know a lot of people wanted me to share on Facebook, but I thought there's only so much you can articulate ridiculousness in lines of text on a Facebook plus so many people won't even consider tapping read more <laughs> social <laughs> right? media and I, I teased now this wasn't on the CSDN stuff this was on my own personal social media which anybody's always more than welcome to add a friend or whatever you want to do I'll be friendly with just about anybody unless you made me mad <laughs> but I talked about and Jackie had even alluded to I was in some sort of process for casting for a reality show and legitimately one of my concerns was dying of boredom because it, it is a real show um, and I don't want to call any of this a scam because they are legitimately doing a thing. It's just not exactly the thing that they're outwardly presenting like they're trying to do. Maybe more of a scheme than a scam. Okay, so can you back up and start from the beginning and explain how this even started? How did this come about? How did you even get potentially casted for this reality show? Well, so the show, and I'm only going to refer to it as the show, disclaimer, um, I don't want anyone else to even know what this show is. Uh, I don't want them to get any views off of this, and I also don't want to get sued in case anybody <laughs> <laughs> read this like or saw I don't this. Know what you signed, but yeah, you might want to be careful. <laughs> if you want to know the name of the show, send me a message and I'll tell you, <laughs> but I'm not going to say it in a public forum. Makes sense. But I was, I forget how the conversation started. I was in the running for what was presented to me as a reality show, and everything was pitched as if this was a television show. And I forget if I think the email, I got an email, it was either an email or like a Facebook direct message. But it was some sort of direct marketing anyhow. 
And the MO of this show is it's a reality show for new businesses and entrepreneurs. So essentially that was the hook. I'm essentially an entrepreneur with Climax Scott's Digital Network right now. It's a new business. And the reason it caught my eye more than anything was my thought was, okay, reality show, where my mind goes after 22 years in pro wrestling is what kind of stunt can I pull off that might get eyes on the things that I've been working on, the projects that the kids have been working on, Climax Scott's high school. Exactly. And I'm like, okay, do I become like that Richard dude from the first season of Survivor that everyone hated but talked about and exactly. <laughs> started watching the show? <laughs> And the show was real, all right, it is real. Like I was able to find it, but kind of the first red flag, the show isn't on like a network. Okay, and so that, is it just, does it stream online? Like how do you even find it then? Well, and, and that's just it, is in the modern era, like no one would even blink about Netflix. Netflix right. isn't a network, it's a streaming platform, but you know where it is. And right. for most intents and purposes, everyone knows how you get on Netflix, right? So as I'm looking at this, okay, you can watch their show on their Facebook page. You can watch it on uh, their app. They have a proprietary app. So that's another thing like, uh, you have to go to only our app to watch this. I'm starting to think like, okay, is this pay to play or a pay-per-view kind of thing? And they really leaned into, we're on Amazon Prime. Now at a glance, that sounds fancy. Right. If you don't know a whole lot about the streaming industry, but as you know, I've worked in different facets of television, both more traditional, hey, what channel is this on TV, but also streaming. And if you don't know, being on Amazon Prime isn't exactly like a big badge of honor. If Jackie and I decided we want to have a show on Amazon Prime, within 21 business days, we could probably have a show on Amazon Prime. That's not to discredit anyone that's making content for Amazon Prime, but it's not exactly an exclusive process. Basically, as long as you have somebody that can do closed captioning for you and you aren't violating any copyrights, you can have a show there on Amazon Prime. <laughs> but still, I'm like, this isn't nothing. There's something here. It is a real show. But boy, I'll tell you when I'm watching that show. I'm looking at it going, okay, is this why I'm moving through the casting process so fast? Because... I'll t I'm not trying to say like I'm the most interesting person in the world. <laughs> the most interesting man in the world. But I at least have a, a pulse and can like inflect a word here and there because. <laughs> not monotone. Yeah. These folks was dry oh on the show. And one of the focal points is somebody who I guess is a more mainstream reality traditional television star. And I think they're counting on people knowing who this guy was. So number one. Okay, popularity, whatever, but I legitimately had no idea who this person was. So that's another thing that's kind of flaggy to me is they're really leaning into Amazon Prime and this guy. <laughs> and this guy here. And you have to Google and you still won't know who he is. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I figure, like, I get the idea of who he is and why he was popular, maybe revered in the eyes of people who are kind of in that reality TV bubble or really love to watch The Bachelor or things like that. <laughs> and this was not somebody from The Bachelor, but just an example. So as I'm starting to go through the actual casting process, it kind of starts with some basic communication and forms that are exchanged. And of course, this whole time I've got my internet guard up. Right. Um, I don't want to be given away like, oh, here's my social security number, five credit cards and my home address and <laughs> the keys under the mat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, right. 
So proceeding with caution and nothing, like everything seemed legitimate enough. And when you're doing things like, okay, is this parent company a real company? Yes, it's a real company. I can verify it. And step one was really just filling out a form. And then really quickly, like same day, maybe next day, I got a response of you moved on to the next round. Was it like a a form response or did it seem like they were, it was literally a person writing directly to you, Kevin? Do you see what I'm saying? Or was this something? Yeah, it wasn't overtly robotic. It absolutely could have been AI. And they actually even said that we use AI softwares for this phase of our recruiting process, which makes sense because it's, without getting too far into the weeds, when you're trying to do a massive casting call, mm-hmm. and this show claims to get 50,000 applicants per season, wow. that could be a legitimate number. My spider sense tingles that that might be a little <laughs> bit inflated. <laughs> Tiny bit inflated. But I'm also thinking, gosh, that's weeding out potentially 49,999 other people <laughs> real quick. Wow. Uh, but I also thought if they've... Yeah, if they've got an AI software, they may have an algorithm that's kind of like, okay, well, we can dump 25,000 of these right off the bat. But again, it's having been part of some things in my life that have been casted and things of that nature. It's usually not next day unless it's like an instant no kind of a thing. Was the form just basic information about you or was there anything that would weed, weed somebody out that you were answering I mean, the it, form. it was form where part of it was just checking boxes. Like, are you an entrepreneur? How many years in business? Like kind of a little profile. Right. And I want to say there, there was probably somewhere between a half dozen and a dozen questions that were a little bit more of an essay format. So it wouldn't be too hard to maybe scan for certain keywords or just, hey, this guy can make five sentences. That stands <laughs> out from everyone else who wrote a uh, potato or I don't know. <laughs> or just misspelled every other word or yeah. 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 So th- then the next phase moved on pretty quickly to where it was a video submission. Now they had a proprietary app or a proprietary portal through a third party app where you actually did a recorded answer in video form. So I actually took myself into an isolated room, had a decent little shot, but you had to do it on your phone. It was not supposed to be like a produced Hollywood worthy thing. So this right. was just me on my amateur, phone camera. Like just anybody could do this in their house. Okay. Yeah, but it, the uh, the business of it was show us who you are and also show us who your business is. And so it was kind of, I remember part of it was what's the hook? And part of my hook was I said, well, I feel like the most interesting thing about this business is I've recently started working with students at my alma mater where I graduated school, a school that I credited for a lot of my successes in life and things that I've said, even on this podcast, I don't think I would have had these life experiences if I went to school anyone else or anywhere else on earth, but Climax Scott's. So I really leaned into, I love working with the kids and giving the kids a creative outlet. Cause again, in my mind, it's how do we get eyes on CSDN? How do we get eyes on this? It isn't about, I've got to win the prize or anything (laughs) like that. To me, the prize is people are paying attention to what the kids in the school are doing. Yes. So I record, that was one of the video responses. I definitely remember recording that. Um, the others were... Do you remember any of the questions from that first video that they asked? Or was uh, it just basically sell yourself and you just could kind of... I mean, that, that was the gist of it. I, okay. I think it was three or four questions. Like it was fairly brief. And I think a handful of the questions were 90 seconds. Maybe the long one was three minutes maximum or something. And part of it was I told my story. Like I 
lived half my life here and in Chicago. And I kind of went for like, I knew part of it is you want to do the heartstrings. Like if anybody's ever heard of how you get on the prices, right? You basically just act like the biggest, most prices, right? Devout goon in the audience. And then they'll <laughs> probably pick you to be on stage because they want those people in the, right. the goofy Bob Barker or Drew yeah. Carey shit, things that know every game and <laughs> chant and act and hoot and holler and all goofy. So I was trying to be like, okay, well, how do I become a, we need that guy now again. So I, I got some variety. I think it was an email communication that basically said, Hey, we really liked your video and we'd like to move you to the next phase, which was fine. And this one, I think an actual human being sent, uh, or at least wrote the original form letter that they copied and pasted <laughs> to multiple Absolutely. people. Less robotic. <laughs> But again, this happened really quick, like next day. And I'm thinking, this is like, even if they go, okay, if they did 50,000, if they only took 10% of applications, that's still 5,000 people. If I'm doing my math late at night, right? Yeah, that they potentially have to view and watch and weed through and process and talk about, right? I mean, how do you weed out? with AI a video of somebody, unless again, they're just searching for keywords in yeah. what you're saying. So that seems implausible. And again, knowing the scale of their project, because by this point I've actually now seen their show. I've seen how much of a, say a YouTube following they have a Facebook following they have uh, trying to get an idea for do people really watch this on Amazon prime. Like it's, it's there. Like I can tell you it is there but I'm trying to get an idea for the size and scale of this thing. And I can tell you based on my experience with reasonably similarly scaled projects of other types, but in the same ballpark, the reality is this is like one to five people that are probably putting everything together here. So again, I'm just having these concerns of like, okay, I'm moving on through, but this is, I, I definitely did not get like the cartoon cash register eyes or the I'm going to be a star mentality. Cause I'm be I, a contender. Yeah. Like I, I kind of know what I'm in for here. Yeah. So then the next phase of this is we have scheduled you or we would like to schedule you for a 45 minute casting call. And I'm thinking, okay, this seems a little more par for the course. Like on the phone or a video chat? Well, or? my first thought with, okay, where's, do I, uh, my experience with these things is the next step would be in this email, probably a buffet of options that I could pick from based on their schedule for like a Skype or a zoom or a Google meeting or something where we can see each other. Yes. Cause I'm also not a stranger to the fact that part of the television experience is the cosmetics. Yeah, At some point like somebody's going to be like, Oh, this bald guy's got a crooked tooth. He's a little chubby. Like, Nope, not fit for TV. <laughs> like I'm prepared for that because right. that's part of the entertainment industry. It's I don't love reality. it. Right. That's a big reason I'm not in it anymore, but that's a whole sidebar for another time. <laughs> it's a whole other podcast. So the, I end up picking a time, but it's just a phone call. And I'm like, this makes no sense. Like only an audio phone call. And also after doing a little more homework in my head, I'm thinking this is starting to smell a little bit like a pay to play kind of a thing. I'm no stranger to pandering. And a lot of this seemed like, I think they're pandering, maybe even I'll say borderline predatory toward people in entrepreneur or startup or new to business. And I think they're kind of counting on the naivete. Of, well, is that, that the word? Yeah, naivete. 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 Also, even just desperation to get your name out there and get exposure and get started. 
Yeah. And, and honestly, I've been that guy. Luckily that was 22 or 23 years ago. So I can kind of start to smell when things don't smell right. Now, part of this uh, reality show is we bring you to a town. I'm not going to say, cause that'll just narrow down the fish in the right. barrel of what show I'm talking about here. You'll go here and you'll be in this place. And part of what they are selling is we're going to have these judges who are, what do they call them? Accelerators. They're startup accelerators. I'm like, that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, that's just a buzzword. That's meaningless. <laughs> and it, now you're starting to see like the flags yeah. are adding up. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm out nothing to go through this interview other than wow. however many minutes of my time. Well, my first red flag is, I don't know the last time I talked to anybody for 45 minutes on the phone. <laughs> like, I don't get a video chat with me. What is this? Oh my. Okay. Yeah. So you're. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm going through with this phone call and at first it seems reasonably casty if I can make up a word, but a lot of it is them talking about what the show is. Now, almost all of the communication at this point really emphasized, if you don't know what our show is, an eventual call for casting will be very difficult to get through. So I did my due diligence and I did your research and yeah. yeah. And I'm prepared, but I'm also prepared for things like I might be able to help these guys make the show better, not as a cast member, but even looking at it, I'm seeing things like this is terrible lighting. This is a bad camera angle. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the shot, the entire show was shot on iPhones <laughs> as I was looking at it. Not a bad thing, but don't try to say this is a Hollywood production. If you and I could make a just as good of a show with the phones in our pockets right, <laughs> right now, the it's a lot of talking about the show and, and, this is going to make more sense in a second. And to a degree, I, I would say this was almost like a hypnosis part of their scheme. Cause I'm again, I'm not going to say scam because they are offering something. And for some people, there may be value in the education that you get from being part of this show. Cause essentially what they tout is you'll be in these breakout sessions and you'll every day there will be winners. But then when I'm looking in, I'm like, what, what the heck do you win? Yeah. And the only thing I could find was, you'll get to wear the red jersey for the day. I'm like, I don't, what? <laughs> but but seriously, as I'm looking into this, I'm like, there's no cash and prizes. Right. There's no, I, like, I could see if it's a show for entrepreneurs. Like, when you look at a show like, say, a Shark Tank. Yes. There's, yes. Mar, I, who is there's that, Mark Cuban? I've never yeah, watched the yeah, show, Mark but Cuban. I know the yeah. gist is, yeah, oh, I'll give you. Millionaires, billionaires, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll invest $450,000 in your new squeegee or whatever right. it is. Yeah. And so I, as I did my homework, I'm like, there's nothing like that. And even at the end of the rainbow, it seemed like, yeah, I see no indicator of Jackie won season seven and she got a $100,000, $10,000, or like a mustache comb or something. Right, like or even like a, you know, you can free rent for a month on the storefront. Like there's just nothing like yeah, to you, help with the business really. Or are you going to be like promoting. the the next season, we're going to say this season's brought to you by last season's winner and right. go to their website. But there, there was absolutely nothing. Oh, I take that back. It seemed like in their most recent season, there may have been an up to $5,000 in total for like multiple winners and placers uh, cash prize. But again, in the grand scheme of a startup, $5,000 isn't going to do much more than like maybe cover your lawyer to do your paperwork. 
grinder right. or something like that. How long would you potentially be spending on this quote unquote show? So like now you're taking time off for whatever, however much amount yeah. of time. And then you just, you make nothing, <laughs> you get nothing out of it. Well, and that was part of it too. Cause I was thinking, all right, if this is realistically probably between a five and 15 day investment of my time, cause you probably basically live in a hotel that they shoot at that hotel or something close by. And they did end up telling me it would be, I think, a five-day investment of my time. So I'm like, okay, the time investment, like I can... You can swing that. Yeah. yeah. And it was also what their hypothetical shooting was going to be around Memorial Day, like the week after Memorial Day. And I was like, well, if I'm still doing everything I am with the school at that point, it'll basically be summer break. Right. Like, okay, I could swing that. So then everything's seeming good. And now, mind you, this casting call nothing about this was about me, my business. So again, like my flags are going up and I I actually recorded this phone call. I'm probably never going to publish that to the world, but I have a video of me on the phone with this whole thing. How many people were on the phone with you? you, Just one. Just one? Okay. I don't know if there was like multiple people, conference call, what was, okay. Yeah, and well, that's the other thing that's, I shouldn't say the other thing, one other thing that's a red flag is I was expecting to be talking to probably between three and five people. Yeah. But I also, by the time I'm on this phone call, and I hope this doesn't sound overly braggadocious or egomaniacal, but I'm, it's not an exaggeration when I say, if you and I published a video on the CSDN YouTube page right now, we would reach roughly two and a half times the entire global audience of this show. <laughs> so at this point, I also know that there's a big phrase in the TV world of like, it, well, I shouldn't say the TV world in the pro wrestling facet of the TV world that I'm familiar <laughs> right. with. There's this phrase exposure bucks, which sometimes there's yes. a merit to it of, yes. okay, I'm going to take less of a payday than I normally would for this because I'm going to get great exposure because this is on CBS or USA Network or something like that. And I'm like, well, there's no exposure bucks because I can reach more people tapping my thumbs on my phone screen than I can spending five days <laughs> right. in whatever town Just working for the show. on my Facebook. I'm going to reach more people today. <laughs> yeah, so there was no semblance of exposure bucks. And I think they were counting on people being like, oh, I'm going to be a star when they aren't going to look at the the analytical data that almost anyone can find on public facing stuff. But the only viewers are the people actually making the show and just watching it back. (laughs) So I'm basically waiting for it. I'm like, I'm essentially, this whole call felt like I was cranking a Jack in the box and I've heard pop goes the weasel. I'm on like lap 10 through pop goes the weasel. I'm just waiting for the boom. And here's the thing that's either going to make me laugh out loud or tell them to go kick bricks or whatever. (laughs) And that moment did come. <laughs> that moment came. <laughs> so again, the casting call. Nothing about me, no recapping. So I see your business is in digital media and education and all this. No, because they didn't even know, I bet. They didn't even know. <laughs> so then eventually it comes to a point where I'm, I realize that I'm not even like talking at this point. We're at like probably five to eight minutes where I'm just getting data dumped. Just like, monologuing sales at you basically well, and that's just it. I'm waiting for I'm like this is clearly going to be a sales pitch right. at some point where there's either going to be nothing in this for me or something else well that's when the something else came along so the punchline to this whole joke is yeah so Kevin when you were filling out your paperwork it talked about 
um, the incurred costs to the talent or something like that. And I'm just like, okay, here, here it comes. <laughs> and so anyway, blah, 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 dressing up nice. And I'm thinking, okay, it, when I'm filling out these forms, as most of us do, there probably was a click here to see the actual terms and conditions or something that maybe I missed. But she says, yeah, so we basically don't make any money on this show. And I'm like, wink, wink, wow. nudge, nudge. <laughs> Tell me how you make, you don't make money on the show. I'm like, I can read between the lines. You make money off of me. Right. Let's get to the chase. Yes. Like, just shut up and do it, Jasper. <laughs> uh, so she talks about, yep, so you'll be your flight and your hotel. And I'm thinking, okay, so I've got to buy my own flight in my hotel for this. Oh and then she says, and your share of the production costs, which what? works out to $4,000. Are you kidding me right now? So oh my all this rigmarole, which I say all this rigmarole, in reality, the total time invested was probably less than an hour of my time. And I'm getting podcast content and a laugh out of this and sharing <laughs> it with my friend Jackie right now. But yeah, that was... And, and she wasn't exactly clear on, was that my share of production? So I'm like, so I almost wanted to say, where do you get off saying that this is a casting call? And then telling me, like, I'm sorry, do you think Steven Spielberg calls somebody and says, hey, Jackie, we're making Jaws 5, the double revenge. And uh, we want you to star as the human uh, in <laughs> Jaws 5. And... I'm going to need you to front the bill for special effects. Like, no, right. that's, that's not that's how that how works. works. <laughs> now, granted this podunk reality show, when I use the term loosely, obviously it's not the scale of a Spielberg production. I wasn't expecting that, but just the ridiculousness of even calling this a casting call when in reality, they should have just told me, yeah, for just $4,000, you can be part of this show. No one's ever heard of. Because <laughs> in my mind, the reality is the kind of person that's going to do this because it's not completely without merit. Like if I were a much younger person that didn't have the experience running varying scale businesses in my life, like I've been responsible for up to $100 million in sales when I worked for Apple. Like, wow. yeah. like I, I've got a really weird resume. <laughs> like I'm not... But this was just, wait, you're, if I had no knowledge, no education, I was young, truly younger and starting up, or maybe had completely rebooted my life doing something unfamiliar. So they aren't giving the people nothing. And I think that's essentially their timeshare pitches. Oh, we're giving you this education. We're accelerating your startup. Like, okay, tell me what that means. Well, we're giving you expo... Mm -hmm. No, you're saying nothing. Tell me okay. the actual words that have meaning. <laughs> now the next word is opportunity, and we're going to give you the opportunity. Up oh, there, there it is. Uh, where's exposure? And we're going to give you new exposure. Okay, here we go. There it is. And then, uh, well, let's say maybe educational capital. Like, oh, and this is educational capital for you to... Like, oh, my God. Buzzword, like, buzzword, buzzword. I myself. But yeah, but if anybody out there wants to be a reality show star... <laughs> Quotes Get, are on the word star, though. <laughs> buy me a drink and see us concession stand the next time we're at a game, and I can probably give you just as much info. But again, as when you're digging into it, like, what do you win? Bragging rights of the show that nobody is watching? That you paid $4,000 to be a part of? I have to ask, though, did you 
kind of troll them on this phone call to pull out the information or did you just kind of say, okay, I'm, I'm good. Like, See my, I kind of, I had a few different ways I was going to approach this. And to me, I was going to try to play it off of how they played it. Cause I thought if this is just a straight up sales pitch, if I get to, I'm doing this for my own amusement, they're just going to hang up the phone. <laughs> right. Um, and once I saw it, this was basically the, the timeshare. Like there was nothing about me. Um, I just laid it in. Uh, I shouldn't say laid into them. I more laid it out for them. <laughs> and they, when they finally got to the punchline of, oh, and it'll just cost you $4,000. And I believe her question was worded as, how does that sound to you? And she also, and she went right from like the time investment right into the financial investment piece. Like I told you, it was like at least five to eight minutes of data dump, data dump, data dump. The, the time part I told her, that's no problem for me. Like that date range works. But I said to me, the financial piece, I said, that makes no sense for me because I said I can reach more people through only my YouTube channel than the entire network and reach of your entire company. I said, I'm not going to pay for exposure from somebody that has less of a reach than I do as a brand new startup (laughs) as an entrepreneur. I think you were onto something there that you could have actually been a consultant and helped them. Like, have you ever watched the show Parks and Rec? No, I have. Okay. I'm fam- familiar with some so of like the Ron gags. like Ron Swanson, the character, he goes into Home Depot and this guy comes up to try to help him and he just puts his hand in his face and he's like, I know more than you. <laughs> he just like walks away. You could have totally Ron Swanson them on this phone call. Like, listen, I know more than you. <laughs> I can run your business. I can help you reach more people. This pitch is not good. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like I'm some all-knowing media guru. I mean, I was a pretty small fry in the world of pro wrestling related television, but I'm also not a complete like newbie well, sales or, is sales, right? Whether it's at Apple or whether it's selling, you know, your wrestling show, like sales is sales, you know, what are you doing? These people are uh, going about it. Like you said, they're going to catch the naive people, but people who've been around the block at all are going to see right through it. Like you did. So, well, and as I started to do the math of roughly how many businesses they take per season, they make, and now that I know the number of, okay, my share was 4,000 and knowing approximately how many people they take on per season. And sometimes I think it's even multiple people from the same company. Like if you and I own, you know, Kevin and Jackie's bakery or something, <laughs> I think we could both be contestants on there. True. But when I did the math, I was like, they basically have a half million dollars in their pocket before they even hit record. And they're clearly not putting it actually into the production though. They're just using iPhones and oh my. Yeah. And when they're filming it, not necessarily peak times of year for the particular hotel and the particular Metro area that it was in. Um, so it's, you're probably getting donated or maybe that hotel is going, Oh, well if you're a celebrity, tw-, cause the person they have is like their front man. Mm-hmm. That one person has a substantial following. Right. But that person's not saying check out Kevin's business. Right. That person might tweet, oh, this podunk show exists. Yes. But they're not accelerating anything. And too many people put too much stock in an influencer or a celebrity tweeted this or X'd this. I don't yeah. know what you really say anymore. I canceled that account this week anyway. But, <laughs> but it's so easy to get caught up in exposure bucks. Like, Oh my God, I don't know. Kim Kardashian posted about me on Instagram other than a whole bunch of random new followers. And probably half of those, some sort of like naughty robots (laughs) on the internet like that. (laughs) 
that's not the real world. It, yeah. It's not going to translate to, like, there's not really a rub you're getting from somebody who was on season 15 of Big Brother <laughs> retweeting right. you. Like, right. that's an exercise. And yeah, it, it doesn't, don't get me wrong, it doesn't feel bad. It's kind of cool, but that's not the thing that's right. going to set your business ablaze. But No, I could see maybe if you had money to burn, like you said, and you were young starting out, and uh, you could... I don't know, maybe negotiate for, hey, I want an actual share of this. So if this show blows up because some TikTok video gets made and suddenly it's like cool under the radar, like I want to share of that now. Like that'd be the only way I think I would, <laughs> I would go for it. But. All right. Well, Jackie, any final thoughts or musings after having heard that silly story about <laughs> casting? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm a little disappointed that, you know, I won't see you on the next Big Brother or something like that, but I think that could be down the road for you still. So, yeah, but you know what? I'm just as happy being the the weird uncle around <laughs> CS these days or yeah. something like that. Yeah, we need you around there too. So, well, it's about that time to the show. We probably need to start putting a bow on this week's episode of Climax the Podcast. Just a little bit more thanks for our sponsors, Kristen Wachowski with State Farm. Eldred Homestead Bed and Breakfast, Prairie Historical Society, and of course, the main event this week, Carla Evans. One more time, I'm going to ask you, if you're able, please attend that band concert. Support the music program. That's this Thursday night. Thanks to Jackie for joining me for this ridiculous story of wink, wink, reality TV (laughs) and extra winks on the TV part. And most of all, thank you to all of you for listening every week. We hope you have shared. We hope you've subscribed. However you do it every week, thank you for being here on Climax the Podcast, Love Letter to a Small Town. I'll talk to you guys in about a week. There's just one exit. If you blink, you've gone too far.